0: Welcome back listeners. This is episode nineteen, a purifying and potpourri of feelings. February seventh, twenty twenty one. Winter time is here for sure. The temperatures have steadily been reported to not get out of the low forties most days, and strangely. The season is preventing me from doing my outside activities. Before COVID, I looked forward to the season of snow. Not always. Not until my mid-twenties did I find solace in snowy weather. As I composed this episode, the snow for today has stopped. But not after six or so hours of white moisture softly drifting from the clouds above falling gently like bird feathers landing on a cotton ball. I watched for my bedroom window shortly after I awoke before 7 a.m. The weather reports were accurate with the forecast calling for light snow starting at dawn but not stopping until noon. This time there was little accumulation and I was glad I didn't dart out earlier in my PJs and a coat to move the two cars I park on the street. I like to make it easy for the snowplow to come through and clear our cul-de-sac, so when bad weather comes, I move the cars to the driveway. But most importantly, I like to prevent any fast traffic that zips past my house to the 10 o'clock positioned house from sliding and hitting the cars. My son who continues to live in New York would probably have a fit if his car left with me for safekeeping keeping and clearing from parking tickets, was hit by one of these irresponsible, high turnover house tenants. In my mid-twenties, I met a woman, a black woman at IBM, who grew up in Alabama, but moved to Gaithersburg after working five years in Minnesota. One Friday at happy hour, she spoke of her interest in skiing, mainly because in Minnesota, there was nothing else to do. Having had a few, maybe a few too many, the group at the table decided to try the sport of Shushin down the slopes. I wrote about that experience in my writing memoirs class. I will recall parts of that speech of, the, of that piece now. One Saturday, late afternoon, Miriam drove several of us to a place in Pennsylvania I had never heard of, Blue Knob Mountain. It took us about two hours to drive there from Gaithersburg, Maryland, and oddly enough, we arrived in time for night skiing. We rented skis, boots, and poles. Then Miriam worked with two of us for a while. It was an exhausting effort. You see, there was this thing called a J bar, like the letter J. The J-bar pulled a skier up the beginner's slope. One had to, had to time the movement of the J-bar just right as it rounded the bend of the cable line to be swooped up the hill. The skier needed to be in a certain spot so that when the J- J-bar came close, the skier would grab the vertical part of the J and let the lower rounded part give them a gentle push as the cable pulled them up the slope in tracks made by earlier riders. I grabbed the bar when it was my turn to step into position. Within a few seconds, I lost my balance and fell. Miriam had tried to help me, but as soon as I grabbed the bar and seemingly was on my way, she went to the next friend to help her with the J-bar. As soon as she would get one of us on the J-bar, the person she helped just seconds before would fall. And so it went for quite some time. I often chuckle about the scene as I reflect on my first ski lesson. We should have paid Miriam for her hard work. We didn't learn much that night, but we all were still interested in learning the sport. We signed up to take lessons at closer ski areas, Liberty and Roundtop, also located in Pennsylvania. Gradually we got better and, and began enjoying the outing. We had progressed from skiing on the bunny slopes, hills with just a slight incline, to those marked green and blue offering a little faster experience. Green slopes meant easiest to ski. Blue were considered intermediate ability. Black meant caution to us newbies as they were used to be used by advanced or expert skiers. One year we decided to go skiing for the weekend at Seven Springs Resort, a wonderful place for skiers and non-skiers as well. It's located near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The resort offered two sides of the mountain for skiing, one side for beginners and the other side for more experienced skiers. If you did not want to ski, there were other activities such as bowling, a pinball game room, roller skating, and plenty of restaurants and bars. Seven Springs offered night skiing, too. We took off half day from work on Friday, arrived Seven Springs about 4 p.m., and would be on the slopes by 5.30. We skied Friday night, all day Saturday, cleaned up for happy hour at five, went to the smorgasbord for dinner to fill our bellies left empty from skiing all day, then geared up to ski Saturday night. I now knew what it was like to be a ski bunny Each year, I couldn't wait for winter to come. As time went on, we skied places farther and farther away, improving our technique while having loads of fun in the snow. At Camelback, Pennsylvania, we skied through the trees, forcing us to make quick turns, which helped us make more stylish parallel turns. It felt good to have progressed from snowplow turns, that is, your skis were positioned in a V for control, Um, but they would put a lot of stress on our thighs. When we came to the end of this run, we beamed with pride having accomplished the trees. One year, we decided to get t-shirts to uniquely identify our group, especially for organized bus trips. Thus, the Avalanche Ski Club was born. A few years later, our work interests and duties interfered with our social life, causing us to move to different areas, and the group eventually disbanded. But unlike the others, I never stopped skiing. I had found my outdoor winter passion. I had connected with the snow. In 1991, I joined another ski club, one with hundreds of members. The trip itinerary is always impressive and I usually sign up for two or three trips a season. I have met some wonderful people from all walks of life who undoubtedly have the same passion for the snow as I do. My horizons have widened for places to ski and I enjoy the local town culture that supports the sport of skiing. Skiing has taken me all over the world during the last 40 years. I have been fortunate enough to have skied almost all of the major mountain ranges in the United States and beyond. In addition to skiing the Appalachians in my early ski years, I've swished down the Sierra Nevadas in California, glided down the Grand Tetons in Wyoming, scaled the Canadian Rockies, traversed the Pruel Mountains in British Columbia, and plowed through the Alps, Swiss, French, Austrian and Italian, as well as the Andes of Chile. Many of my non-skiing friends can't understand my passion for skiing. They just don't see how anyone can enjoy the cold. I used to explain what it was like, but now I just nod at their reaction. How does one describe the feeling of being so close to God, when summiting a spectacular mountain range, a visual of nature often known only to some as pictures in a coffee table book. Now that I am housebound because of COVID, I am having a mixture of winter feelings that are quite unfamiliar. All those years of skiing, and I have never let a bad storm bring me down. I was in New Hampshire skiing when the two back, to back blizzards hit this area in 2010. I couldn't get home for several days because the airports had shut down. On our way to the 2018 Black Ski Summit in Squaw Valley, California, my ski buddy Gloria and I stopped at Mammoth Mountain for a few days. We got caught in a blizzard while skiing and subsequently the mountain closed due to avalanche warnings. Later, we found out that someone had been found buried in the snow that mountain is appropriately named and i am reluctant to return after the adventure the two of us had going down a powdery slope that took us an hour to get down because we fell in the deep powder and had trouble lifting our skis up to get to a safe clearing and we weren't the only ones Last week, on a Sunday, it began to snow here off and on for two days, giving this area a winter storm we hadn't seen in a few years. Normally, I would get excited because this would trigger my skiing, Jones. But it's been almost a year since I did my last trip, skiing the Japanese Alps, and I found myself feeling less adventurous and more domesticated. I didn't even shovel the driveway and sidewalk until a day after the snow stopped. Has my childhood adventurous spirit caught up with my aging process? Has COVID made me a scaredy cat? Say it ain't so, child. My feelings these past six weeks have been all over the place. I told you about Christmas time and my experience feeding and giving to the homeless, right? Well child, as soon as the new year started, I went from feeling charitable to feeling unnerved and fearful on January 6th, to feeling respectful for the efforts of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on his commemorative birthday to realms of relief and celebration on January 20th as I sat in front of the TV all day with my pearls and Chuck Taylors watching the first woman of color be sworn in as vice president of these yet-to-be United States. My celebration resumed three days later because the book club I started in 1991 celebrated 30 years of reading and adventures. We call ourselves the Literary Ladies' Book Club, and there is very little about any of us that is literary. But we have had some adventures. Then the sad news about Cicely Tyson's death was announced, just days after the 96-year-old had made the TV show circuit doing interviews promoting her new book, Just As I Am, an autobiography that sold out before the week ended. She was beautiful and stately and sharp-minded and still looking for good roles to play at the time of her passing. And just before Sicily, Hank Aaron, the baseball barrier-breaking legend, died at 86. News reports of their death reminded me that both were legends and both endured so much because they were black. I need not recount here all that racism was responsible for. It's no surprise to any of us who has had to deal with white people in any capacity or career. Persistent perseverance is an ingredient in our melanin. Otherwise, we as a people would have perished during slavery. And now we approach a month dedicated to many other greats who happen to be black. I like to call it Blacks in American History Month rather than Black History Month. Think about it. The latter title makes it appear that Blacks were not Americans. Anyway, during this entire month, there will be special TV programs on PBS stations, special movies on the pay for subscription channels, and even in this COVID world, there will be virtual sessions to honor the people who made a way out of no way and held their head high, paving the way for people like me, all while absorbing the slurs, hatred, and inequities because of just one thing, the color of their skin. Martin Luther King Jr. was hated most by J. Edgar Hoover, who, as the director of the FBI, announced that King, who was a nonviolent protester for civil rights of all people, that he was the most dangerous man in America. I quote him I wonder. Was Hoover a proud boy or what, child? By the time I get to March this year, my feelings will have gone through so many changes that I might need to go somewhere to cleanse my mind and renew my spirit, as I would do with skiing. Worse comes to worse, I might just have to pull out my ski wear, layers of synthetic material designed to keep the body warm as it whisks away the sweat put on my good ski mittens and a fleece hat, and go for long walks during the cold temperatures. As I walk, I will have to summon up some of my most wondrous ski days, like the time I skied a mountain called Solitude in Utah. I read now from my journal of that day. I first skied Solitude a mountain in Utah's Wasatch National Forest in 1999 during my third Black Ski Summit. I fell in love with its wide open blue slopes and the beaming sunshine. Almost 20 years later, my love was ever more present. We arrived early enough that we could see corduroy still present on almost every slope that we skied. I love skiing on corduroy the ripples in the snow made by the late-night cat track or tractor machines that smooth and groom the trails. As I ski over the corduroy, I smooth out the ripples while feeling them at the same time, leaving my own tracks. It's just a thing I do. The names of the chairlifts, as well as the slopes, caught my attention this time. Serenity. Inspiration. Sensation. Moonbeam Express, Liberty, Powderhorn, Sunrise, Sun Dancer, and Sunshine Bowl. I did them all, rode them, and skied them. Inspiration was my new favorite. Skiing to it meant taking the steep Sunshine Bowl, should be an advanced skier run, which dumped into a trail. If you were patient enough on the trail and did not take the first right turn you came to, you would see the sign for inspiration. The pitch at its top was just right for speed. Then it widened, allowing for wide S-turns before leading me to the Moonbeam Express Chair about 100 yards down. I was going so fast that I had to brake really hard before entering the queuing lines. Thank goodness no one was in my way. Exhilarating. While riding the sunrise chair high up the mountain mid-afternoon, there was such a quiet. No one was skiing on this part of the mountain this beautiful Tuesday. Amazingly, even Gloria, who is usually quite talkative, was caught up in the peace as we ascended. I looked up toward my right and noticed high above the tall, full pine trees that hugged each side of sunrise, a single bird in flight. Its wings were fully spread out as it silently glided through the windless air above the tallest pines. It circled several times, dipping some, then evening out its lithe body as if in a silent ballet solo. I recalled the logo for solitude, a yellow bird in flight with the tip of one of its wings pointing slightly heavenward. The moment did not escape me as I thought about my own flight down several of the slopes, particularly Main Street and Inspiration. This day made the trip complete in spite of the fact that it was just day two. So glad I returned to solitude, so aptly named. As I take my winter walks, I will notice how the tree limbs are uplifted, pointing to the sky as if doing a Warrior One pose in yoga. Or maybe they are praising God that the chaos we have been living in, living with since 2016, is subsiding. Or I might hear the birds in the distance, or maybe they will follow me because they know I forgot to feed them. Or I might might feel the wind gently kiss my shea buttered high cheekbones, rather than burn them as it does when I don't wear my neck gaiter on the slope. As I turn down a street to head in a new direction, I'll think about the shift in the season, my shift in how I think about winter and the necessity for snow to cleanse the air and possibly start a new chapter in my Act 5. Till next time.